Now, I don't know if you noticed, but things are a little different in this room. Did you notice? I know some of you noticed. Oh, I know some of you noticed. Oh, you came in and you were like, oh, where am I sitting? Who took my seat? My seat. I'm supposed to, I don't know if I like this angle. Why am I, how come I can see that person all the way over there? I don't know if I like that. Now they can see if I'm paying attention or not. I don't know if I like that. I don't know if you know or not. I tried telling you last week, but for the last three nights, we have had a student event called the Big Chill. Big Chill. Night number four, there's Big Chill. There's a shot from last night. Listen, uh, so yeah, things are happening in here. It's a little messy. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Things are a little disoriented. That's a good thing, right? I got some students right here. Like last night, I bet you like you're so confused, right? You've got to be so confused because like you're here and you were literally just right here, like just jumping, like praising God, hands raised, just going crazy, right? Am I wrong? Like all through the last three nights, right? And then like, and then the, the, the fully mature Christians, right? The fully in, in, mature and faith Christians, right? You, you come in on Sunday morning and you turned around and, and, and did you see the same thing happening? Dang, what are we teaching the young kids? When they're praising our brains out for Jesus. You guys were killing it last night. I'm so proud of you. They're, they're, these four are just sitting right here. I know there's more of you. I know there's more of you. I know there's more of you. Thank you. Last night, there is life change happening. Last night, seeds were planted. Last night, chains were broken. Last night, like nine or ten kids went in and were baptized. I got this dude right there. Like, like, this is just an awesome picture of, of, of so much. One, there's joy. One, there's baptism. Two, there's students in the game doing it. It's not just like let the grown folk do it. No, it's the students building relationships with other students saying, no, we're with you. We're in it together with you. So praise God for things being different and looking forward to the future generation. Woo! I told him last night, I, I, I was kind of, I, I, was, I was in a gear, wasn't I, y'all? I was in a gear. I'm sorry for y'all because I'm still in that gear. I am still in that gear. Uh, let's see. It is, okay, so uh, in roughly five and a half hours, something's going to happen, right? Some of you are, are waiting for something that's going to happen in like five and a half hours. Right? The Australian Open men's singles finals is happening in five and a half. I mean, that is happening too. But kickoff is happening in roughly five and a half hours. So here's the deal. I will try my best to keep this to under five and a half hours today. Okay? I'm a, I No promises. I said I'll try my best because they got me fired up from last night. Uh, for those that are just hanging with us uh, and, and we haven't met each other, my name is John. Uh, I am kind of always this crazy. I was going to say I'm not always this, but then I was like, don't lie to your people. All right, so I am kind of always like this, so welcome. Uh, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I, I have the privilege uh, to share God's word with you today. Uh, we are in week five of a series called Invited. And, and, and the whole point of this series, I called Rashad out last night. I'm going to call Rashad out again today. Uh, and here's why. He gave me a hard time why I called him out. Siri, be quiet. I'm trying to preach right now. 
literally, Siri's calling me out again. Uh, Rashad, the reason I call you out, man, is because you're a leader. People see you as a leader, and I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for where you've come from, and I'm proud of you for all that you are doing right now to let God work through you. He took the initiative before we ever did an invited series. He was invited in to grow as a young disciple of Jesus, and now he's an agent for change. That's, that's what happens when we respond to the invitation of Jesus, things change. You could sum up all of Jesus' whole life and his story and how he did, right? If you just look at it and zoom out and go, oh, things can change. Oh, okay. What can change? Everything. Everything. You are invited. That's what this series is about. You're invited. You're invited into relationship with Jesus. You're invited into community to grow together. You're invited into mission. And so we've been talking about that for the last four weeks. This is week five. And, you know, we're talking about, like, who we are and what we're all about and what we believe and why we exist and all that. And then next Sunday, it, like with any good invitation, there's an RSVP. I'm holding it right here. This is the RSVP card that everybody's going to get next Sunday, and, and, and you're going to fill it out. And, and on it, it says, like, all right, like I'm choosing to be in a committed relationship with Jesus. I'm committed to growing as a disciple and disciple maker, and I'm accepting the call to be on mission with Jesus. Notice it's with Jesus, right, with Jesus through his local church. And, and then you kind of have three options, right? I'm in. Cool, I'm in. Uh, two, I have questions. Cool, what questions you got? Or three, not at this time. Still cool. All right, that's cool. All three, but we're all going to answer that. And we're going to have a moment together where we all just kind of say, hey, this is where I'm at. We're going to share that moment next Sunday. Don't miss next Sunday. It's a big deal because God has some incredible things that he's going to do through you. And we want to encourage you and equip you to be the world changers that you have been created to be. Don't miss next Sunday. That's it. Two people were excited, Alan. That's it. And they were like, yo, don't get me started. I could go back to the whole, like, you cheer for the Bengals. How come you don't cheer for Jesus thing? I can go there on a dime, okay? You don't want me to go that place today. Uh, here's a little bit about us, aside from uh, students and getting hyped up for Jesus, uh, we exist, if you don't know this, we exist to help people, to help people. Man, that's a really big deal. We exist to help people find hope, that's a big deal, and a home in Jesus, that's a big deal. We exist to help people to find Jesus, to find hope, that's Man, that, 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 that is all that we do, everything we do. That's the filter through which why we do what we do. Our core values as a church, I want you to know this. If you're just checking us out online or in person for the first time, like I want you to know who, 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 who are we uh, and, and what are we all about. You should know that, you know. If you didn't already do a Google search, you didn't already look at the website, like here's our core values. We obey the Bible, we glorify God, we love people, and we follow Jesus. Those are our core values. That's the foundation of everything we do. Today I'm talking about the last core value, following Jesus. But before I dig in, I have a bone to pick with David Vaughn. I don't know if you know David Vaughn. David Vaughn, uh, he, he's a pastor. Uh, he's been a pastor here for almost 20 years. And I have the privilege to follow in his footsteps. Uh, but if you, if you don't know David, um, he's also an avid 
an excellent golfer. Do you know this? Yes, yeah, yeah, he's really good, right? Uh, but here's the deal. And I'm going to tread lightly because I got some elders in the room. They're getting real sweaty right now. Getting real nervous. I find it highly suspicious and questionable that our core values as a ministry just so happen to align with the acrostic golf. <laughs> Glorify God, obey the Bible, love people, follow Jesus. <laughs> Highly suspicious. That's an abuse of power. That's not right. Somebody needs to write an email, not to me. <laughs> but I digress. Today, as we look at what it means to follow Jesus, I want us to take a look at the beginning of Jesus' ministry when he was forming his team. All right, we got the whole, a lot of us got the football vibe going on, so let's just go there, right? So look at it this way. Jesus, he's forming his team. Jesus has a game plan, a plan for God's people to take them to the promised land, take them to the Super Bowl, okay, and to win the cosmic redemptive plan to do this, he chooses to put a team together, all right? He chooses, he didn't have to, but he chose, we should take note of that, he chose to use us to be a part of that plan. So he's putting his team together. So what would be the best team to put on the field you know, so that his plan would come to fruition, right? Draft day, it's time to make some picks. It's time to put your team together. So what would be the best team, right? Uh, the smartest, uh, the most educated, the richest, the most powerful, the level five leaders, right? Like, let's make sure we get the level five leaders. Let's make sure we get the five talent all-stars, right? Well, in Matthew 9, we find out that Jesus has already started forming his team, and he's kind of confusing everyone with his draft picks because those that he's allowing and inviting onto his team are nobodies. They're less thans. They're, they're marginalized. They're, they're the ordinary. Some of them are downright scandalous and notoriously wrong for any team. And I want you to see this right from the front, that Jesus is trying to prove a point. One, that all of us need to understand and embrace. When we follow Jesus, things can change. Say that with me. What happens when you follow Jesus? One more time. When we follow Jesus, things can change. Things can change. So, Matthew 9, 9, things can change. It's, it's about to happen again. All right, Matthew 9, 9. Uh, as Jesus is walking along, right, he's walking, he's got part of his team. He saw a man named Matthew, also known as Levi. He's sitting at his tax collector's booth. He says, follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Verse 10, later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. Man, there's a lesson right there. How do you respond after Jesus 
Yeah, so so uh, he, he invited Jesus to his home with dinner guests, and those dinner guests happened to be many other tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Oh, how dare they? Mark 2.15, in his gospel account of this moment, he says this. It says, later, Levi, Matthew, invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many other tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Parenthetical statement, which I love. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. Oh, this kind. Many people, those people hanging out with Jesus. Uh, verse 11, back in Matthew. But when the Pharisees... If you don't know the Pharisees, Pharisees were like the super religious, the really intelligent. They were the keepers of the rules when it came to religion. Y'all know any of those people? Did we scare them all away? <laughs> right? You, you've seen those people so bent on making sure it's the law and it's got to be, right? Those, those were the Pharisees, right? And so the Pharisees saw this, what was happening. And I love this about them. That they just said it, right? So you got to respect that. They said it. They asked Jesus' disciples, which was kind of cowardly instead of going to straight to the source. They asked his disciples, right? And they said, hey, how come your teacher eats with such scum? Man, that sounds like a really, like, godly thing to say, right? Wow. Whitewashed tombs. Wow. When Jesus heard this, I love that. They weren't talking to him, but, oh, he heard it. <laughs> when Jesus heard this, he, he said, hey, 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 you. Yeah, I heard what you said. Listen, healthy people, well, they don't need a doctor. Sick people do. He could have walked away at that moment, right? Just drop the mic and walk out. But then I love what, that he added something. He added, it says, hey, you, religious leader, come here. I want you to go and learn the meaning of this scripture. Now, they would have known this, right? Because he's going he's gonna to quote the Old Testament. He's going to quote one of the minor prophets, Hosea. He says, I want you to go learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. He's pointing us back to Hosea 6.6, 6, a minor prophet that said this, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. Don't just like do stuff for the sake of doing stuff. I want you to actually show love. I want to, what? I want you to know me more than I want your burnt offerings, more than I want your displays of how you're trying to impress me and try to impress those around you. I want to know you, and I want you to show love and mercy. This is what Jesus is saying to them and us. Jesus then continues in verse 13. He says, okay, so here's why I've, I've come. Here's why I'm hanging out with these people. Here's why I'm here, for I have come. To call not those who think they are righteous, but for those who know they are sinners. Those who know they're a mess. Those who know that they're, I'm, I'm, I'm a little off. Those who know I'm kind of broken and I'm trying not to show everybody how messed I am. Those who know that they need help. Does anybody in this room feel like you fall into that category? Like, I think I need some help. 
just a few. The rest are just the righteous, I guess. I don't know. Or they're liars, John. I don't know. Not me, John. There's a John over there. I'm not talking to myself. I haven't gone that crazy. You are questioning that, aren't you? This is one of my favorite moments in Scripture. One of my favorite moments of Jesus' ministry. Because in five verses, just five, it shows us Jesus' heart, his posture, his approach, and his mission. See, Jesus, he's building his team, and he sees this dude, Matthew, and he invites him to follow him. There's an invitation there. And Matthew, for those that don't know Matthew, like Matthew is this young man who has betrayed his community. I can kind of understand what Matthew is going through, right? Betraying your community. I'm just trying to be one of the people. I'm sorry, Northeast Ohio. All right? So Matthew has betrayed his community. But, like, literally, he's turned his back on his people and family and is now working for the Roman government who oppresses his people. His job is as a tax collector, is part of a corrupt system of taxation and oppression, and Matthew has made the choice to be a part of a system even though it steals from and abuses his own people. It's a choice he has chosen To continue down a path that is unhealthy. I'm sure none of us have ever done that. Matthew is hated and despised in his community. And so for anyone who has ever made a decision that has left you feeling like an outcast or unwanted, Matthew is your guy. For anyone who ever questions if you've done something that you think is unforgivable or or that has disqualified you from being used by God, Matthew is your guy. For anyone who has ever longed for a second chance or longed for redemption, Matthew is your guy. Matthew longed to be accepted. He longed to be loved. He made a dumb decision, yes. He made a selfish decision. He longed to be seen, to be used for a higher and better purpose. And with two words, Jesus changed everything. Follow me. It's the power of the invitation. Follow me. Matthew jumped at the opportunity to start a new life. See, not only was he accepting a different way of life, he now was accepted. And now he belonged for all of the Matthews out there, hear this, his grace, Jesus' grace is greater than your disgrace. Somebody put a praise on that. You know what I mean, Alan? Like, like it's like, I don't know, like, I don't know, like, his grace is greater than your disgrace. The stuff that you did last night, the stuff that you hope nobody ever finds out about, his grace is greater. See, things changed for Matthew. Things will change for you. He's not done with you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It it doesn't matter. He's not done with you. Things changed. For Matthew, like, think about this. The book that we are now teaching from, right? The book of Matthew, that has the largest collection of Jesus' teachings throughout the entire Bible. And it's written by the guy who, right, was completely, like, despised by his community, the same community that now holds up the book. The writing and bookkeeping skills that Matthew used 
to be self-serving and used to steal from countless people for the Romans, Jesus gets a hold of Matthew and uses those same skills to put life back into the hearts and hands of billions of people. God has given each of us a skill set that he will redeem. God has given each of us a skill set that we can choose whether to use to build our own kingdom or his kingdom. Which kingdom are you building? Which one are you building? You know, if you look at like how you live, how you love, what you do, where you go, how you spend, like, like truly, whose kingdom are you building? Things can change. Things can change. Another thing we notice from Matthew's life is that when we follow Jesus, his way becomes our why. His way, his way becomes our why. When Matthew chose to follow Jesus, his why changed. Everything Matthew did after Jesus' invitation was to bring people to the feet of Jesus, to tear down the walls and the barriers and the obstacles that keep people from thinking that Jesus wouldn't or couldn't ever accept me. Matthew knew better. Matthew knew that was a lie. So he reoriented his entire life to tear down all of those walls. He reoriented his why. His why was now to point people to Jesus. When we change our why, we then will change our ways. For those that maybe have made the decision to follow Jesus, for those of you in the room that Jesus is your Lord and leader, is his why your why? Only you can answer that. Like, why do you do all that you do? Is it to point people to Jesus? Is it to show people his love and his grace and his mercy? Is it to give people hope? Like, like, like listen, our goal should be that. Like, our, our, our why should be his why, right? Is, is our goal to be like a good Christian? Or to be more like Christ? Like, our goal can't be to look like other Christians that we see at church. Our goal can't be to look like celebrity Christians that we, we watch on a screen or we read about in books. Our goal is not to be like them. Our goal is to be like Christ. I don't want to look like a good Christian. I don't even know what that would mean. I want my life to look like Christ, and I've got a long way to go. And Bob Stoll said, amen. I don't know. What's a good Christian? I want to I I be more like Christ. Don't be more like John. Oh, God, help you. Be more like Jesus. Don't be more like David. Be like Jesus. Don't do what I do. Don't do what he does. Do what Jesus does. Now, hopefully, let me just, you know, pull over for a second. Hopefully, as your pastor, my eyes are fixed on Jesus. They better be, right? Hopefully, my actions are above reproach. Hopefully, my actions look a little like more like Jesus and less like John along the way. And that's why I have people in my life, they have my guardrails to make sure when I get squirrely and I color outside the lines, they check me back in. That's accountability. It's a beautiful thing. Some of us really need some of that in our life. And then things would change. 
different sermon. The Apostle Paul, he addressed this in a similar way. I see you shaking your head over there. I'm going to have Kyla get up here and, and speak. Something just hit him. So uh, Paul addressed this in a different way. So it's 1 Corinthians 11.1. Uh, uh, Paul said it like this. Paul is, uh, he wrote like the majority of the New Testament, if you don't know. All right. Uh, this crazy guy who had another like things, things can change moment. Right. He was, he was a murderer. He was an accomplice to murder. I should say it that way. But if you're an accomplice to murder, I call you a murderer. All right. He wanted to completely let Christians, women and children just be put in chains and just murdered. He was okay with it. And then Jesus got a hold of him. And what? Things changed. And so Paul, right, he's changed and, and he says this. He says that to those following him, he says, hey, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Right? Notice that he didn't just say, follow my example. Well, that would be really bad. And let's be very clear, some leaders do that, right? You ever play the game, follow the leader, right? And, and, and so you ever see some pastors do that? Where they lift the name of their name higher than the name of Jesus Christ? You better kick that pastor out, me included, if that day ever happens. We better be following the example of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is pointing to here. That's why Paul didn't just say, hey, follow my example. He said, follow my example as I follow Christ. As I follow Jesus, my eyes are on him. I'm not the leader. He's the leader. Okay, we're going this way. So like Paul, we should be looking at who we are following, right? Some of you are like, I'm, I, I, I'm not a follower. I'm a leader. Just in that one statement, and I'm not going to call you out because we got a few of them here and I've heard them say that with their own words, like, and I love you, Jesus loves you. Um, just in that, it shows you how off you are because you should be a follower, a follower of Jesus, right? Follow my example as I follow Christ, right? Look for people who are following the example of Jesus. And here's the rubric. Right? You know, if we're, if we're saying we follow Jesus as one of our core values, well, then what's the rubric to see if, like, we're actually doing it? Right? You should want to know that. Cool. Here's the rubric. Do they sacrificially love people like Jesus loved sacrificially? Do they have relationships with people, the type of people that Jesus had relationships with? Do they serve in the way that Jesus served? Do they live in community with others the way that Jesus lived in community. So like Paul, follow their example, if so, as they follow Christ. If not, don't follow their example. There's your rubric. If they're not doing that, that's not a leader worth following. Definitely not a Jesus follower. I saw this picture, and it just perfectly summed up, like, everything about following Jesus. And I, and I, I like, I need to make my own and put it in my office here. This is, this is how to be more like Jesus, right? Hang out with sinners, upset religious people, tell stories that make people think, choose unpopular friends, be kind, loving, and merciful, and take naps on boats. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Could have said sit, take naps and go fishing. Right? That could have, you know, could have been on there too. Uh, I'm still waiting for someone to invite me on their boat. So I just try to be more like Jesus. If we look at how Jesus lived his life, and even if you just took this story in Matthew, like are we doing what Jesus did? 
I'm just asking the question. You've got to figure, like, are we hanging out with who Jesus would hang out with? This is a good one to ask yourself. Are religious people asking us why we hang out with scum? Well, I mean, I hang out a lot, out a lot with my small group. Do you hang out more with your small group than you do with scum? Are things changing? Are things changing? Kingdom transformation. Are things changing? Because when we follow Jesus, things can change. Oh, oh, I don't know, John. I don't know if I like that. That sounds like, you know, changing up a room and where I sit in a room and that's what gets really uncomfortable. I don't know if I like things to change. I'm change adverse, John. I don't know if I like it. I don't know if, if, if really following Jesus means things can change. Really? That's so interesting because um, uh, did you think that the blind can't see and the lame can't walk and the deaf can't hear and the lost can't be found and the slave can't be free and only the perfect ones inherit the kingdom? That's amazing because Jesus says, follow me and I will show you just how much things can change. His whole gospel is all about, look, things will change when Jesus enters the room. Things can change. Have things changed for the kingdom in your life. Has his why become our why? Are, are, are we living differently? Are we living weirdly? You know what I mean? Good weird, not weird weird. Good weird, attractive weird. There should be something so fundamentally weird about us, so attractive about us. It would be the fruition of 1 Peter 3.15, right? You know, always be prepared to give an answer for where your hope comes from, right? The, the, up there in the booth, they're like, he is so not on a script right now. I'm sorry, guys. I love you. Jordan, I'll get back to my message. Like, like 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give an answer for where your hope comes from. Unpack that. That means that I've got to live a questionable life. I've got to live in such a way that people will say, where does that hope come from? You are so different. Where, how did you get to, where, how come that, how could that, do you, are you living a questionable life? Have things changed? See, see I, I've, been, I've been doing this kind of for a little bit now, and, and I've got the scars to prove it. And, and much to the chagrin of good, God-fearing church people, like, man, I can't tell you the number of times I get pulled aside and literally the side-eye conversations of, like, John, I, I, I just know, like, you know, you come from a different, you know, like, you'd probably be better suited for a downtown ministry. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, like, are you sure you should be hanging out with? And then they'll say things. These are real conversations that I get to have. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Yeah, I'm really sure that I should be hanging out with those scum. Oh, yeah, wait, those sinners. Oh, wait. I wouldn't call them sinners. I'd call them humans. I'd call them our friends. Oh, that's weird. Do you upset religious people? <laughs> you know I do. Because Jesus did it. That's why. 
Because things can change. Here's why I do it. Because I believe that things can change. I believe that the yoke of oppression on their backs can break. The yoke of oppression of religion can break and they can experience relationship. So we hang out and I make them mad. Because I believe things can change. And I try. Oh, this is my rubric. I try to be kind and loving and merciful because I believe that things can change. I'm not perfect at it. I try But how can I not show mercy and kindness when I have been shown so much mercy and kindness? Things can change. Isn't that the the essence of hope? Right? To instill in someone the belief that things can change. That's hope. Things can change. See, in Jesus, he showed us, like he gave us the, hey, if you're wondering, like, what's my takeaway, John? You didn't give me three points to follow. (laughs) I can't, right? You know what I mean? Like... (laughs) So, So for those that like that, here's what Jesus said. Here's the follow. Here's your instructions. Love the way Jesus loved. Hang out with who he hung out with and serve the way he served. John 12, 26, Jesus, not me, Jesus says this. He says, anybody who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. And I hope you hear my heart on what I'm about to say. You can serve till your heart's content and not be following Jesus. You can serve and not be where Jesus is. But, the, see, the order of that matters. But if you go where Jesus is, if you go where his spirit leads, if you go to the places that Jesus went to, if you hang out with types of people that Jesus hung out with and you serve there, oh, now you are where he is. You are where Jesus is. You're meeting Jesus where Jesus meets people right in the mess of things, in the trenches where it's messy and it's frustrating and it doesn't fit into your night, neat schedule where it makes your friends really look at you and makes them uncomfortable and question like, man, I don't know, I thought you were a good Christian. I'm not a good Christian. I follow Jesus. The question shouldn't be, where can I serve? The question should be, where is Jesus? How do I meet him there? When we follow Jesus, things change. How do I know this? Is it because I read a book? I mean, sort of. I read a book, talked about life transformation in Jesus. It's called the Bible. How do I know this? Well, not because of religion, that's for sure. And it's not because I went to a church building on a Sunday. For those of you that that, that don't know me, trust me, I'm not going to give you my whole testimony right now. Some of you are like, oh, my gosh. He was serious about that five hours thing. I got four minutes and 30 seconds, it says. 
For those that don't know me, let me just show you a little peek. This is how I know that things can, can change. Let me allow me to introduce myself. My name is Jonathan Adam Tizovich. I am a Jesus follower, and this order matters. I am a Jesus follower. I am a husband. I am a father. I am a friend. I'm a pastor. And I'm a Batman fanatic. I'm Batman. Where are they? But I also, if you continue in the biography, I also got involved in speech and debate. Yes, I was a speech and debater. Imagine that. I was a state champ, thank you very much, in Ohio. Hey, that's right. I'll clap for myself. <laughs> I already feel convicted. I traveled around North America doing Broadway shows. Woo, jazz hands. I also happen to be a former convict, felon, drug addict, suicide survivor, egomaniac, and chauvinistic pig. So one would beg the question, <laughs> how did I get from there to here? Things can change! Because of the man named Jesus Christ, that's how. Specifically because there were men and women, disciples of Jesus, that gave me hope when I was hopeless. They showed me that things can change. How did they do it, John? What is the weird formula to do it? Here's how they do it. They did it by they loved me when I was unlovable. The way that Jesus loves the unlovable. They served me when nobody, anybody wanted to serve me. They hung out with me when everybody else was abandoning me because that's what Jesus did. They invited me to live in community with them when the world around me was going, get away. They did the Jesus things. And things changed. That is the mission of the church and the power of the invitation. Carrie Newhoff, some of you are like, ooh, I like him. I don't know if I like you, John. But Carrie Newhoff, this incredible leadership coach and church leader, he said it this way. You're going to hate me now. The mission of the church is to lead people into a relationship with Jesus, not to get people to show up for an hour in a box every Sunday. <laughs> this is the mission of the church and the church is not a building the church is every single one of us every single one of us we have like 3,000 locations all across the tri-state area why? because every single one of you are a location you have the indwelling of the spirit living within you you have the power of Christ living within you you are unleashed to be the church. Imagine how our communities and our households and our lives would change if we unleashed that power, if we followed Jesus. Things can change. It happened for me, it happened for Matthew, it happened for Paul, it happened for a whole lot of people in the Bible that we read about, and it can happen for you. It doesn't matter how far you've strayed, how far you've sunk, how broke or broken you are. 
in Jesus there is hope. There is a second chance. If you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, guess what? Today's your day. I'm inviting you into relationship with him today. Really. Some of you have been sitting here like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. But there's been a burning sensation on your chest. There's been a heat rising and you're not sure what that is. That's the Holy Spirit trying to get your attention. Saying snap out of complacency and come follow me. And for that one person that's here today that's going through that, this is your moment. This is your day. Here's what I'm going to invite you to do. Everybody to your feet right now. We're going to sing one last song. And for that person who is ready to take a step into relationship with Jesus, I'm inviting you. We're going to have some folks that are they're going to be around the room. Go ahead, and that means now, those of you that are prayer warriors, those of you who are leaders in the church, go ahead, show yourselves, identify yourselves, let them see who you are. Oh, wow, it's an amazing thing when we say, yes, I'm a leader. You can follow me as I have my eyes on Jesus. Don't be timid. Be a leader. I want you to come to these people and I want you to say, hey, I, I, I've, been, I, I've, been, I, I, I've been doing a lot of different things. You don't even have to say it all. All you have to say is, I want to follow Jesus. Today's your day. So during this next song, I invite you to come forward. And, and one of our team members would love to pray with you and invite Jesus into your life. In, in Jesus, there is hope. Things can change. I promise you, things can change when you follow him. We follow Jesus because we believe that things can change. For every single one of us, for the world around us, and most importantly, for the glory of God and bringing heaven to earth right now. So Jesus, I'm asking that you have your way in our lives, more importantly, in our hearts. Holy Spirit, take over. Rescue and redeem your people. We need you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. It's in your name that all God's people said, amen.